Oh my goodness, you guys are amazing. Amen. Hey, hey, hey. God is good? All the time? Amen. When Jesus met with his disciples after he had called them into ministry, he said, come follow me. They they went on this rampage of healing and teaching and loving and caring and serving. And the word about Jesus spread all the way to Syria. It spread throughout all of the countries. People from all around the, all around the region came. And so, so you have this snapshot. Right after Jesus had called his disciples into ministry, you have this image of Jesus surrounded by crowds. Our scripture today started with, with Jesus was surrounded by the crowds. He saw the crowds. And then he went up the mountain with his disciples. No, he went up the mountain. And then I love this image. He sat down, just like Jane sat up here with the kids today. He sat down and then the disciples came to him. And then he began to speak to them. You know, I think that Jesus was surrounded by all of this energy, all of this enthusiasm, all of this, this joy, this exuberance, and Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples really knew what everything was all about. Jesus wanted to make sure that they understood how they should conduct themselves when they moved forward into the next phase of their ministry. And, and what would be the most important things for them? And so Jesus starts with these words. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you can't understand this scripture unless you understand that that the joy and the exuberance that was surrounding Jesus and the disciples at the time was not what was the order of the day. The rest of the world had not experienced this joy, this exuberance, this burst of energy and love and kindness. In fact, as you walked into church today, did you see all the palm trees? I can never pass them. I love them. They just, they always lift my head up toward God. Isn't that a beautiful tree to have out in front of a church? Just to lift your head and your heart up. I couldn't say thank you, God, enough times for every tree that's out there. But when people went to worship in Jerusalem, they didn't pass palm trees. They passed crosses. And each one of those crosses represented a kingdom that was being built. The Roman kingdom. The Roman empire. And they knew that if if they crucified enough people who were doing the wrong thing, that then they could create a kingdom of people who who were beautiful and somehow there would be real life in that kingdom. But Jesus was teaching his disciples that that the revolution that was beginning was not going to look anything like the kingdom that they were experiencing around them. That actually, the kingdom would begin with people who were poor in spirit. And I love the words poor in spirit. What this really means is that people know that they're not all that. That they're real humble and they're real about who they are. That they're not under any illusion about them being great. In fact, Jesus is saying that the path forward is to know that you're not all that. The word blessed, this is key for this scripture. The word blessed or blessed that he starts each one of these these tips on how to do ministry. Each time he says that, he's also saying a word that means the path forward. And 
what he's saying, is, and, and which is really important because the people who followed Jesus at the beginning, they weren't called Christians, which actually means many Jesuses, many Christs, little Christs. So if you ever call yourself a Christian, you're saying, I'm a, I'm a baby, I'm a little Christ. But actually, they weren't called that. That was much later. The original name of the people who followed Jesus was the people of the way. We're part of the way. Isn't that a great name for a church? If you ever started a church, you could just call it the way. But it's the same word. It means blessed. People who are blessed. People who have found the path forward in life. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to move forward with this ministry, surrounded by all of these crowds, thousands of people, so much energy, so much good stuff going on, if you want to move forward with this ministry, the path forward is to know that you're not all that. And the second thing that Jesus says, he says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, ministry is one of those things when you start out in ministry, you think it's going to be just, just like a rocket ship taking off. And then three days later, you discover that you're, you have someone that needs to cry with someone else. And you may think that this is probably not the best way to spend a day, sit down and to cry with another person. And, 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 and it's actually not something that's easy to do. You have to learn how to be that compassionate where you actually enter into their story. You have to kind of step outside of yourself. But when you do it, it is actually the most comforting thing I've ever experienced in my life. So when I started here, I met with Reverend O'Grady, who is an incredible pastor. He's, he, he models this, the Beatitudes 100%. And he said, the number, these are the things that you're going to do in ministry. Contemporary worship, and you'll do uh, community outreach. And those will be the main areas of focus. But you're, every, every first Sunday of the month, you're going to visit people who are shut in in their homes with elders, and you're going to del- serve communion to them. And I thought, well, after a big explosion of a great Sunday, I guess visiting a few people in their homes, you know, for three or four hours on a hot Sunday in the middle of the summer, I'll do it begrudgingly. I'm being honest. This was not, this was not the top of my list of things to do. So I visited one person. Her name was June Gruby. And she is just a light She was more patient with me than I was with her, and she started to share her heart with me. Turns out her husband was a missionary in England for years, that she was a junior high teacher in town, that she she rode in a taxi cab with Billy Graham. She lights up every time she tells me that. And she said, when she rode in the taxi cab with Billy Graham, he said, if God's hand was never, if God's hand removed his hand from my ministry, I would be nothing. And I visited a couple other people, Bill and Rosemary Green. Bill Green is the most faithful husband you've ever met in your life. He sits inside of his house next to his wife, Rosemary, who, is, who has debilitating Alzheimer's, so she can't speak or talk or even respond. Although every time I said the word Jesus, she opened her eyes. <laughs> I think there's some things you never forget. And he stays there with her. He's a war hero. He's a world, one of the greatest generation. I learned more from him than I could have ever given. Each one of the visits, I gained more than I could have ever given. And each one of the visits was a humbling experience to me. It was a time of listening and waiting and sitting and talking and asking and asking and learning about their stories. I remember when I started Highlands Church uh, 10 years ago. And that's the church that I'll become the pastor of, or yeah, I guess start ministering to on Wednesday. 
in Paso Robles. When I started it, I went to visit this pastor named Rick Stedman. Have you ever heard of uh, Rick Stedman? He has a dad who is a pretty well-known pastor, and he has this kind of big church in Sacramento called Adventure Christian Church. And so I thought, maybe if I talk to a pastor of a church that's grown like that, with all those crowds of people, I'll really learn what ministry is all about. And you know what he said? He said, the trick is to love one person at a time. And uh, I was there with my brother, and we said, okay, that's, that's great. That's a nice line. But come on, let's be honest. Can you just give us a little bit more? Because we are honestly going to start a church in a town. We have no idea what we're doing, and we just need to know what to do. And he said, just love one person at a time. That's it. I just wanted to share that one little piece with you. And so when we started the church 10 years ago, uh, it exploded. There were crowds and crowds of people. Uh, I, I said in the first three years of the church, one new person came to the church every single day. So that there were 900 people at the end of the first three years. And we were stunned. We were just surrounded by human beings. They were excited about Jesus. And I left and went to seminary. And in the years since, I feel like the church has had... Uh, had maybe a couple of moments where they've discovered the words of Jesus are really true. But actually, in those moments, I think that they have discovered, and the congregation has gotten smaller. It's about 300 people on a Sunday. But they've realized, I think, that the path forward is not necessarily the path forward that you would imagine. Now, all the difficult times that I have experienced with each one of you, I think that as you sit here now, you can realize that the hard times in your life have been by some mystery of God the path forward for you to be right here at this moment. Each one of the stories that you have experienced or endured has been a way in which God has prepared you to be the witness that you are to God's good news and God's love right now and in this moment. So Jesus doesn't just say, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. He also says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, the word meek actually is a word that is used to refer not to a timid person, but to an animal that is bridled, a big animal that is bridled. So it's actually authority under great power. It's, uh, it's great power, great authority under great control. The meek shall inherit the earth. And I think the disciples were looking at the great crowds and they were thinking, this is the revolution. This is going to be it. This is the moment when we're going to just change the whole game. And, and they, they were trying to figure out how this was going to play out. And Jesus was telling them these frustrating words. The way forward is to love one person at a time. Now, the other day, actually a couple of years ago, I went with Lisa Sloan to visit one of these people who, uh, with home communion after a Sunday. And as we approached Jack McHenry's house, and by the way, Jack usually, is Jack here today? He usually comes, he's been sick. He's real, if, if you could pray for him, it'd be great. He usually comes in his wheelchair and sits right here. I love Jack so much. And uh, yeah, I love him too. And then, uh, so Jack, I went to his house, everybody's nodding and saying, I love Jack. So, so as as I approach his house, his, uh, the, his caretaker is standing out in front, and she's saying, don't go in. And, and Lisa and I are inside of the car, and we think, really? I mean, is it safe to leave the car? So we get out, and, and she explains that there's two squirrels at loose inside of Jack McHenry's house. <laughs> so 
I go, I say, I, I, I try to do the, I got this one covered. I can, I can do this. I can get rid of these squirrels for you. No problem. I know that I, I know I'm not a good listener. I'm, no, I'm not very good at this home communion thing, but I, this is one thing I got. I'm all that, right? And so uh, Lisa decides that the best plan of action, we're sure there's no squirrels inside of the room Jack's in. And so she is going to minister to Jack and talk to him about life uh, behind closed doors while myself and the caretaker uh, try to hunt down the squirrels. So the first thing she tells me is that there's a squirrel underneath the, uh, the little table in the front living room. And so I think, okay, whatever, big squ- squirrel in the front living room. So I go around uh, and I, I kind of look underneath this little piece of furniture and I see the littlest bushy tail. And I think this is not a big deal, a squirrel. And so then I just kind of, sh- I rattle it, nothing happens. And I shove a little, little, some pole or something I found back there. And this thing shoots out like a rocket ship and it runs around the corner and it runs into the dining room. I'm chasing after it and it jumps off of the floor onto the dining room and tries to jump out the window, but it hits the glass. And then it lands on its back, stunned like this. For one second, I start to walk up to it, and it jumps up like something out of Lampoon Vacation, and it runs back into the living room. I go back into the living room. It's standing there like this, and I'm thinking, come on, buddy. It's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm just trying to get you outside where you belong. So I kind of work around it, runs back into the dining room, jumps off the dining room table, runs into the, slams into the window again, and then runs back into the living room. So I have a great idea. What should I do? Open the window. Right. So I go and open the window. Of course, this, this is the moment when the squirrel, this runaround, runs back into the dining room, jumps off of the table, and runs into the other window. <laughs> Finally, he is a little shaken, and I think he ran out to the door. He might still be inside of Jack McHenry's house. So then I think my job is done, and then Jack says, actually, there's an, or his housekeeper or caretaker says, there's another one in the living room, I think. I said, where is it? She says, I think it's inside of the bookcase. And so I go up to the bookcase, and it's this long cylindrical bookcase up against the far wall, and I think there's a squirrel behind those books. So how am I going to find out if the squirrel, it could be rabid, could bite me. So if I pull the books out, I think my hand could be compromised. If it, you could bite, I don't know what a squirrel could do, but it, I was a little scared at this point. And so uh, my, my strategy was to push the books in to identify where the squirrel is. So I start pushing the books in, not there, not this shelf not the shelf, and I'm doing it one at a time all the way across the shelf until I get to the one right up here about eye level. And I start pushing in the books thinking, maybe he's not here. And then this book doesn't move. (laughs) This book doesn't move. And then this one does. And then I push it a little again. It sounds a little like a squeaky toy, you know, like, you know, (laughs) that's not what it sounds like, but that's, that's imagine that. That's fine. And so then, then I, I, I push it just a little bit and suddenly the squirrel jumps out of flies out of the bookcase, jumps off of my head onto the grand piano and out the window. There's really no point to that story. I just wanted to tell you that because I have been dying to tell that story ever since that happened to me. So there you go. (laughs) That's it. I just had to tell you that. No, there is, there's somewhat of a point, but the the point is that ministry, (laughs) there's just a little point. The ministry of Jesus Christ is it feels sometimes like uh, it's going to be as much fun as this. But the path forward is like nothing you can ever expect or imagine. I love Ephesians 3.20. When you tap into the power of God, God can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Isn't that beautiful? God can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. 
Maybe this, this isn't your idea of your greatest dreams come true, but it is for me. I'm surrounded by faces and hearts and, and, and names of people that I've just gotten to know over the, over the years. Neighbors, friends, people that have, have shared their story with me, welcomed me into your home. One of my favorite things that happened was two days ago when we loaded, I am so tired by the way, when we loaded our moving truck on Friday, I told Jeff I was moving, I was going to come back and then preach. He said, are you sure about that? Um, So on Friday, we loaded the truck and one of our neighbors came and he showed up and he helped pack the entire truck for, and he took a day off of work and he wouldn't let me help because he's a little bit obsessive compulsive and everything has to be exactly in the right place. But almost everything's in there. And then another neighbor drove the truck to Paso Robles and back again so that we could leave one of the cars up there and helped us unload the, load the truck up there. The path forward is never what you would ever expect. Ministering to our neighbors and being ministered to by our neighbors. That's what this whole thing is about. We tend to think that the revolution of Jesus Christ, the revolution of following Jesus is going to be this this constant revival where maybe we'll be in the seat of power in the government or maybe somehow, but that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that the way forward is actually on our knees, crawling forward, serving one another, loving one another, caring for each other. And he said, he's saying that this is saving up riches for yourselves in heaven. Storing up riches in heaven. As the band, isn't the Virginia Road Band amazing? They are one of the most incredible band. They are so great. Oh my goodness. So move over uh, the roots. Uh, apparently, we, the new band has taken it over. But what a, what a beautiful testimony to have all of these people who are so humble that they spend hours and hours just tapping out and figuring out the rhythms and the timing and, and that they're giving of themselves constantly. And when they were playing today, I, I had, I've had this image many times in my life, but I've imagined that at the end of my life, I will hear a choir. I just hear this choir, this praise music will start to come into my mind. Maybe I won't have anything left in my heart or my bones, but when someone says, Jesus, maybe I'll, I'll just, just open my eyes a little bit. And this is the ministry that we bring to the people of this world that, that they need so much because this world is not like this. This world is not, is not like an exuberant explosion of love and joy toward Jesus Christ. And, and, and Jesus demonstrated it himself. We were singing some of those beautiful, beautiful lyrics from those songs about Jesus. You laid down your life so that I would be set free. Jesus Christ himself died on the cross to destroy all the crosses along the roadside. To take down all the kingdoms that would try to claim that through bravado or through through violence or through any other means other than peacemaking and humbleness and meekness and, and poor in spirit and all of the other ways that Jesus evokes from us and draws us forward, these are the paths forward. Jesus conquers death and welcomes us into a new life.
And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples in that moment of training, ministry training at the beginning of their ministry is that, guys, it's not going to be everything that you want it to be. But, but in those moments when it gets tough, in those moments when it feels dry, in those moments when it's, when it's difficult, those are the moments when you can be assured that you are on the right path. And so I encourage you, and I need to hear it too. You ever hear, you know, like preachers need to start listening to themselves a little often? It's not going to be all roses. But yesterday I was, I was walking out through the courtyard, and I want you to look at it on your way out. Did you see the rose bushes today? Did anyone see them? What do they look like? They're not, they're almost. They're thorns. They've been all cut back. They've been reduced to just stumps. And as I looked at those rose bushes and then the U-Haul that was out in front of the church, the scripture from Isaiah 43 came into my mind that says, look, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? You may only in your life be seeing rose bushes that are stumps, little fingers that look like nothing and there's no life on them. But this may be the very path forward that God is creating in order for something brand new and beautiful to come about that you never could have expected. And if you walk away from that future that God has in store for you, then you will never be able to receive all of the roses. So listen to the words of Jesus as he said them to the disciples. As you feel persecuted, as you feel that that life is crowding in around you, hear what Jesus says to his disciples. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The most important passion or desire that you have in life is for other people to be more pure and more clean and more health and healthier. Can you imagine that? That's your number one underlying motivation in life is for other people to be bigger and better and healthier and more joyful. Blessed, blessed, the path forward. And the, the, the riches, the true riches are the riches that are stored up in heaven. But remember that Jesus also goes on later in this sermon to teach them the Lord's Prayer, which is a beautiful prayer that very distinctly and very clearly spells out that what we're about is heaven. Where? On earth. You actually know the words to the greatest sermon ever, ever preached and the sermon that Jesus preached to his disciples on that mountain. Muhammad Gandhi said that this, these were the greatest words ever written. You know them in your heart already. So let's, let's together say the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples on that mountain. And remember that the path forward is one of meekness, of kindness, of compassion, of love. And in the difficult times that lay ahead for us, we will know that that is the blessing, that that is the path of goodness that God has intended for us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.